Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 55. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 55. It's your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and of course, the fiercely popular Love Has Forgotten No One. Oh, the flutes, the flutes of love play in the background. Without any further ado, why would we want to wait a moment longer when we know that it is time to bring in the real star of our show? Would you welcome him, please, Mr. Gary Renard? And the crowd goes wild. You there, Gare? I am here. Oh, good. I was. Uh, you were just dazed by the crowd. You were. They. They. Oh, the thunderous applause. It could. It could. It could gobsmack anyone. Yes, I'm always uh, humbled by the uh, crowd and, and everything. It makes me feel uh, very uh, spacey. <laughs> <laughs> well, they love your humor, buddy. I'll tell you. <laughs> Well, this is episode episode 55, and you know, as the song says, we can't drive 55, but when it comes to podcasts, we can do 55. Yeah, well, you know, 55 is a very uh, a positive number, very powerful uh-huh. uh, number. Double numbers usually are in uh, numerology, and also in uh, the financial markets, that's known as a GAN number, G-A-N-N, mm-hmm. uh, who is a uh, famous theorist in the uh, financial markets, which I know from uh, studying all that crap for all those years. All the crap, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I you know, know a lot about the financial markets. Unfortunately, most of it's useless. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been interesting anyway. So uh, this is the time of year when uh, Cindy and I are mostly just, you know, hanging out at home and writing. Uh, we get some writing done, and it gives us a chance to watch a lot of TV mm-hmm. and watch a lot of movies. And then uh, you've got other <laughs> things like uh, the Grammy Awards are really great. I thought it was a great show this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, 40th anniversary Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. And uh, then, of course, the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Always interesting. In fact, this year, I actually did manage to see uh, most of the movies. Oh, you saw Birdman, I take it. I did see Birdman. That was uh, fantastic. Uh-huh. Just uh, one of the best acted and written and, you know, played out movies. I mean, the whole thing practically uh, was shot with one camera, you know, just following them around. Yeah. And uh, the way that they did it was extraordinary. Uh, but I think, personally, my favorite of the best movie of the year was uh, the imitation game. I heard that was terrific. It looks really interesting. It really is. You know, like uh, people, uh, you know, they make uh, heroes out of certain people. Like, uh, I'm not saying that they're not, but the uh, Bradley Cooper character in uh, American Sniper. Right. Uh, you know, he's called a hero. Well, you know, he killed people, and that makes him a hero. Uh, now, Stephen Hawking... Uh, yeah, he was a hero in a way because of what he overcame. You know, the ALS disease is uh, just a terrible handicap. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, worked all the way through it. 
And the guy that played him was just incredible. I mean, he deserved the Oscar for uh, Best Actor. But at the same time, you know, having said that, I'm not putting down Stephen Hawking, but even though he had a brilliant theory, which was a singular theory, unlike uh, Einstein, he was never able to prove his theories uh, mathematically. So uh, even though, you know, he's obviously a great thinker, he wrote wrote a great book called uh, A Brief History of Time. Yeah, I've read that, and it is great. And it's it's readable. There are a lot of people said, I don't know, I mean, I had a little bit of math as a background, nothing too deep, but I made sense of all of it, and and it was, you know, it's entertainingly written, which you find surprising from a guy like that, you know, but it's just amazing stuff, yeah. But go on. Yeah, the only uh, point I'm making is that he, he was not... Einstein. He's never yeah. been able to uh, to actually, you know, prove his theories uh, mathematically. Well, not yet. Now, uh, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that's right. But with the movie, uh, the Imitation Game, this guy uh, that it's about, who uh, broke the Nazi code. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this machine called Enigma, and uh, it's. I guess the most advanced machine ever created at, at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, it could. Uh, decipher codes that nothing else could come close to uh, even comprehending. And uh, it was this guy's idea that, well, you know, a person wouldn't be able to beat this machine. So uh, what if you could design another machine that could beat this machine? And that was kind of like the forerunner of the computer. Yeah, you had to actually envision and create the machine itself because there were no other machines like that to help you. You couldn't assign a computer to design a better type of computer. There were none. So, you know, you had to just invent it. I mean, that, that's real creativity. Yeah, so uh, it's a really great movie, great acting, true story about how they broke the Nazi code. Yeah. And it's, est- it's estimated that by doing that, uh, they shortened World War II by at least two years oh. and uh, saved, and it's estimated by scientists that they saved at least 14 million lives yeah. by doing what they did. So I'm thinking, you know, if you, if you want to look for a hero... <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, you know, that's pretty big it. scale of life-saving there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the sad part is, is that his life was ruined uh, because of his sexuality. Yeah, and, uh, the way that they treated uh, homosexuals in England at that time, and they eventually put him on drugs, which is basically like uh, being castrated with a drug, and he couldn't think anymore, and he ended up committing suicide. And uh, you know, it's not a happy ending, but uh, it's a great movie, and it, it makes you empathize with uh, the people and the way that they were treated. And you know, in a way, it's sad. You know, if you make it real, then it's sad the way that people treat other people. Uh, but, uh, you know, the British Empire, which we grow up thinking is being very civilized, uh, certainly had its places where it was not very civilized. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. You look at the way the Aborigines were treated in Australia and, uh, you know, the way that, uh, yeah, I mean, homosexuals in England were treated this way right up into the 1960s, which yeah. is pretty unbelievable. And, uh, you know, just made me empathize. And I didn't feel sad because I don't make it real anymore. But uh, at the same time, I thought the way that the movie was done was just uh, fantastic. It was based on uh, a book. Well, no, actually, uh, the guy that won the screenplay at the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, he based it on his own 
past screenplay. It was a different screenplay about people who are uh, having their lives ruined by the government and by persecution and you know just by just because they're different. Yeah. And this guy gave a really good talk at, when he accepted his Oscar. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's just that uh, it, it makes you realize that underneath the surface, where everything looks so hunky dory. <laughs> There's the ego. You know, the ego is always lurking yeah. under the surface there, and and people are, you know, stabbing each other in the back, and they're ruining each other's lives, and uh, you don't always see it. And uh, I don't say that uh, to make it real, because we know what it's for, which is for forgiveness. But right. at the same time, uh, when I see a work of art like that that is so well done, I, I really do think that uh, it was the best movie of the year. I would encourage people to see it. It's not a, a bummer or anything. It's, right. Uh, actually, right. a lot of it is actually pretty exciting the way that they do this. And uh, so that would be on my uh, highly recommended list for sure. Yeah, we're we're lucky there were. I I I honestly haven't seen any of them. You know, I I don't get out much. Um, but uh, you know, eventually they'll come to cable. I hope. Uh, we we do have access to a Grand Budapest Hotel that also looks wonderful. I've heard it's really entertaining, and and so we can see that one. And the others we'll eventually get to see. But uh, good choices this year. There were a lot of strong movies, a number of which could have won, and no one would complain because they were all that good. And acting performances as well. Listen, I, I want to yeah, do. Some, I've I, seen. Uh, I've seen. I just want to say I've seen uh, six out of the uh, eight uh-huh. that were nominated. And uh, yeah, we saw the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. It was indeed very entertaining. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a best picture of the year type movie, but it was very well done and yeah. very entertaining. And uh, you know, uh, we can't obviously go out and see all, all these movies it's impossible but uh, I say thank God for Netflix yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Netflix and you know, for eight bucks a month, you can see a lot of movies if you want oh. to. Oh, is that what it called? I have no idea. Maybe I will. Because now that the Longmire show is now on Netflix, I was a big fan, and they took it off the broadcast or cable TV. So I, I have to go to Netflix. But I, I also wanted to see House of Cards, which I've heard is like, of course, really intriguingly delicious. Yeah, I haven't seen it, even though I do have uh, Netflix. Yeah. But Kevin Spacey is always yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a multi-talented guy. Listen, here's what I wanted to do. I'm going to mix things up. I'm mixing it up, baby. You don't know what's coming at you when you come onto a podcast show. Um, a, a lot of our, of our listeners have, have let us know that they really enjoy the questions for Gary. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing them since, I don't know, episode six or something. We started early on. And sometimes some episodes we do more questions than others. We usually try to at least get to one. Uh, but I wanted to throw one out at you right up front because you just mentioned forgiveness and forgiving difficult people and stuff and i said we had a great question and we try to do some new ones and then we also have old ones that have been stacked up in the archives for many years i have to dust them off thoroughly when i go to get them but this one is pretty nearly brand new because it just came in yesterday i'm not kidding so this is about as fresh as a question gets so i wanted to start off with this and and it leads us to a, a good discussion of forgiveness and the process of it in general which is always a good way to set the stage for the rest of our program so if that sounds good gary i'm going to start right off with this one and then we'll do some other questions later and you had another topic you wanted to to talk about as well so this will be an action-packed show full of full of the course 
Because <laughs> sometimes we're full of something else, but that's different. Okay. Yeah. This one just came in from Doreen, not Doreen Virtue, although I'm sure this Doreen is quite virtuous as well. Doreen from Ohio, and she wrote in question for Gary and Jean. Starts off in a, in a personal note. I have a family member staying with me temporarily. The irritation and resentment keeps coming up for some days. It seems like nonstop. I keep forgiving, applying forgiveness, sometimes every 10 minutes. Now, this has been going on for a couple of months. Am I doing this correctly, or is there some resistance in me? She says, I do my lessons every day, the workbook lessons. I get relief at times, but this seems so difficult. I know that this time, that time requires a lot of forgiveness in a short time, in other words, what she's dealing with, and then I'm okay, but if I need to keep asking the Holy Spirit for something, please guide me in this. My goal is to finish up as much as I can in this life, but I don't want to delude myself in thinking I'm doing the work and not really accomplishing it. So, and she also says, thank you for the podcast, and Gary, thanks for your books. I would not be writing this if it wasn't for Disappearance of the Universe. Then she's also reading and dealing with the course. So, yeah, what does it mean then when you, you keep forgiving, you're doing everything right, and you're just not seeing the changes? And, you know, if, if this is someone applying this properly every 10 minutes, that's pretty diligent. So what do you do? And, and is there a mistake she's making, or is Doreen just uh, dealing with what, you know, sometimes is a very challenging time? Yeah, well, I'd have to know exactly how she's doing it to tell if she's making a mistake. But I will say that everybody has resistance to doing this. And uh, I remember, you know, Ken Wapnick used to say that if he talked to a course student and the course student said, oh, everything's going really good and I feel really happy and my life's going really good, uh, Ken used to say, when I hear somebody say that, it makes me think that they're not getting it. Uh, you know, because yeah. everybody who is really doing this is practically inviting this unconscious guilt to come up to the surface. Because uh, normally what we do is we deny it, and uh, it's kind of like repressed and glossed over, swept under the rug. But when you start uh, doing the course and what happens, uh, let's say you do forgive, and some of that unconscious guilt is forgiven, well, then some more of it comes up from under the surface. You know, that unconscious guilt is rising to the surface, and you're going to notice it more than you ever would have before. So uh, maybe in the past, you'd just be pissed off. Yeah. You know, and that would be it, and you gloss it over and let it go and move on. Uh, but with the Course, you forgive, and then it looks like maybe you're forgiving the same thing over and over again, which is the case with this person, because it involves uh, the same person that they're forgiving. And it may look like you're forgiving the same thing over and over again, but what's really happening is that it's different guilt that is being forgiven and healed and released. So there is some kind of a healing going on uh, every single time that she is practicing forgiveness. It may not feel to her like she's doing it right, right, but if she keeps doing it, the time is going to come when she's going to just be sitting around and all of a sudden uh, she's just going to feel really, really good. And uh, if she puts two and two together, she's going to realize that the reason that she's been feeling really, really good all of a sudden is because of all of the forgiveness work right. that she's done. So the reward... Uh, will be there in the form of experience, and it'll be a good experience. But uh, everybody has that experience 
of uh, seeming to have to forgive the same thing over and over. And that's when you have to remember that the Course says that a miracle is never lost. You know, it, it always has some effect. There's always some kind of a healing that the Holy Spirit is performing, whether you can see it or not. The Course also says that that miracle may not always have observable effects. Ah. But but it does have effects. There's always something happening, whether you can see it and feel it or not. And uh, that's where perseverance comes in. And it sounds like she is definitely doing the perseverance thing mm-hmm. with that. And I would just, uh, you know, because I, I don't know exactly how she's doing it, I would just give a couple of pieces of quick advice. And that would be, first of all, uh, make sure that you go all the way with your forgiveness. That person that you're forgiving is not an individual. Uh, think like the Holy Spirit. Think in terms of wholeness and oneness. Because that person that she's forgiving doesn't really exist. Right. It's just uh, this image in a dream. And uh, you have to get that. You want to look beyond the body, beyond that image, and think in terms of oneness. So now that person is not a person. That person is not just part of it, but all of it. Nothing less than God. And uh, you really have to go all the way with this. So I would you know, definitely say make sure that you're thinking, you know, you're not just forgiving somebody else or, or even a spiritual being. You're not forgiving a spiritual being who's standing over there. Yeah. You're forgiving something that is not that uh, partial attribute. You're forgiving something that is all of it. And uh, then on the other hand, when you do forgive something, you also have to remember that uh, you shouldn't make it real. Because you wouldn't be upset, and uh, you know she wouldn't be upset if she wasn't making it real. It's almost like a definition. You know, if I wasn't uh, making it real, I wouldn't be upset. You know, so she has to be making it real, or else she wouldn't feel that way. So I would uh, also, you know, point out that you got to be very careful about that part and make sure that what you think that you're forgiving is not something that really happened. Right. Uh, what you're forgiving is something that didn't happen, and that's why it's forgivable. Yeah, so you're, you know, as we always say, you're, you, we're really forgiving ourselves for having the mistaken idea. You know, for, oh, if, let me forgive myself. For a moment, I thought you were real and being a real moron, you know, but in reality, you don't exist. I made the mistake of thinking that, so, you know, it, <laughs> that's really what we're saying. Uh, it also occurred to me as you were talking about that that it you know there's it's part of our split mind there's a part of our mind it's the part that i uh, that i think i am that's projecting the human character that i seem to inhabit but there's another part of my mind because there's only the one mind that i have the mind that's for real another part of my mind is projecting any other character that i see so when I'm mad at them, I'm just mad at another projection coming from my own mind. And and that's even if I'm not actually aware of that, but that's what the Course is teaching us. So as we practice this kind of forgiveness, we realize part of our mind is forgiving what just another part of our mind is doing that we didn't seem to be consciously aware of, and therefore we're integrating our mind back to wholeness or closer to it every time we forgive because we see that and we and then that becomes more real for us than the illusion had been. How's that sound? 
that sounds good. Yeah. I'll go with that. And also for, for Doreen, you had mentioned about, you know, it seems like you're forgiving it over and over and nothing is happening. But I think, as you know, you mentioned if you weren't doing forgiveness, you would just tend to gloss this stuff over. The guy's being a real moron. The guy's being a real idiot. The guy's being really obnoxious. And it would just be, ah, ah, I'm so tired. And you would just, you wouldn't really be thinking about it. It would just be something that, that upset you. Now you're thinking about it because you're forgiving it. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, and part of that is also uh, you expect the result immediately. I just forgave you. Why are you still being, you know, a, a pain? <laughs> But as you said, it doesn't happen that quickly, but there is healing that does happen every time you do it. So it seems worse than it is, and maybe that's sort of the double edge of forgiveness. Yeah, it can seem worse while you're doing it because now you're you're seeing it every time. But in truth, it's like exercise. It hurts when you're doing it, but you're getting stronger. So it gets better and eventually it won't hurt. It'll just you'll just be strong. So Maybe that's a you know a bit of encouragement for Doreen. You are on the right path, and I was impressed as you were. If you're if you're focusing on this like every ten minutes, you are being diligent. You are applying it, and make sure you're doing it right. But you don't have a problem with willingness, which is one of the key elements to everything here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, oh, yeah it's very good. Very good. Well, you wanted to talk about something. You want to move into that other topic? Because that's also a little bit of synchronicity, because I just got an email today that leads right into something. Just before the show, Gary said, oh, yeah, today I wanted to talk about, and then I said, you won't believe, synchronicity in action. Got a lovely email from our friends, Heidi and Charles, who said, just just listen to our previous podcast, and uh, great job as always. I, they said, suggestion for a topic on a future podcast, dreams, and how we interpret them, and how do, how do dreams We've talked about this a little bit before in, in some previous shows. And, uh, you know, without, I'm not making that up. Gary said, you know, somewhere in the show today, I want to talk a little bit about dreams and the course's interpretation and the course's take on what dreaming is all about. You know, you can't make this stuff up, Gary. So you are the dream teacher huh. or the dream weaver. I don't know which. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I don't know a lot about the traditional interpretation of dreams. That's more uh, Freud's area. In fact, yeah, it was one yeah. of his major works, uh, I believe it was called The Interpretation of Dreams. Yes, yes. Uh, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, regular interpretation of dreams, I'm, you know, somewhat uh, knowledgeable about what they call archetypal uh, images, because uh, most people, when they have dreams interpreted, like by a psychoanalyst, uh, it's like the dream is different. You know, the interpretation of the dream is different for individuals. But what archetypal images tell us is that that's not true. That uh, every image, if it's rising up from the unconscious, actually means the same thing for everybody. That's because we all have the same mind. If you get down deep enough into the mind, right. you all have the same mind, which means that those images that you see in your dreams actually mean the same thing for everybody. And uh, if you happen to be one of those people who is capable of, of noticing when you're first waking up or going to sleep, that kind of like what I call the borderland, where uh, the unconscious is just meeting the conscious. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, you're not really asleep, you're not really awake, you're just right in that place where uh, you start to you know see images. The interpretation of those images would be the same uh, for everybody. So, so basically, doc, Dr. Renard, I would say that basically your practice is more of a Jungian focus rather than a Freudian focus. 
I would say that's true. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I I just do that from experience. Like I when I get up in the morning, I, I, I know if I'm going to have a good day or not. I know if it's going to be an easy, fun day or if it's going to be a challenging, difficult day. Now, just because it's uh, challenging and difficult, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just means that it's going to require a little bit more work. You know, it's kind of like uh, astrology. Just because you have a bad astrological uh, setup for a couple of days, it doesn't mean that you can't handle it those two days. It just means that you're going to have to work harder, that it's going to be more difficult, but it doesn't mean it's impossible uh, for you to do it. So uh, uh, let's say that uh, you see an obvious thing. You see a smiling, happy face. Well, that's obviously a good sign. Uh, not all of it is that obvious. Uh, sometimes there are what are called images of contrary. Uh, for example, somebody might uh, kind of like uh, punch you in the mouth or something uh, in the dream. That's known as a dream of contrary. It actually means that uh, your circumstances are going to improve, where um, conversely, if you hit someone else in the dream, that's a bad sign. Uh. And it means that your situation is not going to improve. There are dream uh, dictionaries that go back uh, at least uh, a thousand years that I know of, probably 2,000, but they don't exist anymore. And uh, a lot of these things uh, just mean the same things for the same people. Like if you saw someone pointing their right hand, that would be very positive. The left hand is known as negative just because it works out that way uh, for most people. And uh, when... You know, it comes to traditional interpretation of dreams. You're right. I would be more uh, the the Jungian type. But as far as the course is concerned, uh, the course itself is more concerned with getting to the experience that you are dreaming, which is kind of like a different take on it. It's not so concerned with the interpretation of dreams. It's concerned with getting to the experience that this is, in fact, a dream. And uh, it's through the undoing of the ego uh, which leads you to that experience, because this uh, world, of course, is not true. It's not an illusion, but we know that the Course further refines that idea to the idea that this is a dream that you will awaken from. And it's that awakening that is, in fact, enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to actually read um, one of my favorite quotations you know, from the Course, and this is from the hero of the dream. Usually I read another part, but... Uh, you know, I want to read this particular part. It's a favorite of Cindy's, and she usually brings it up in our workshops. And, uh, you know, this is a, a question of... Uh, I'm sure I have the right page here. Yeah, it also says what the secret of salvation is. And, by the way, you know, if Jesus wants to tell me what the secret of salvation is, I figure maybe I should listen. <laughs> he might know something so, uh, about that. Yeah, he might know something about it. So what he says is... Uh, the secret of salvation is but this, that you are doing this unto yourself. No matter what the form of the attack, this still is true. Uh, whoever takes the role of enemy and of attacker, still is this the truth. Whatever seems to be the cause of any pain and suffering you feel, this is still true. For you would not react at all to figures in a dream you knew that you were dreaming. Let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may. They could have no effect on you unless you fail to recognize it is your dream. You know, so 
that's the secret of salvation. Again, you know, no matter what happens, you're the one who made it up. You know, you're the one who made this dream. And the only reason that you're reacting to it is because you're failing to recognize it is your dream. Because you wouldn't react to these figures in the dream unless you, you didn't realize that you were dreaming and that it was your dream. Now, in uh, connection to that, a lot of people will ask me, well, not a lot, but once in a while, some people ask me, uh, how do I know if I'm becoming enlightened? And actually, part of the answer to that it comes from the Course, because it, it, the Course says that awareness of dreaming is the function of the miracle worker. So what happens as you undo the ego through forgiveness, and, and you're kind of like uh, you know going through life, and of course at first it seems kind of heavy and like you're really going through life, but uh, eventually you get to the point where you're practically floating through life, and like the body starts to feel like the figure in the dream that it really is, and starts to feel lighter. And uh, I think one of the, I call it the symptoms of enlightenment, <laughs> would be that uh, you start to become aware of the fact that you are dreaming. And the more aware of the fact that you are, that you are dreaming, the less that the world can affect you, yeah. uh, the less that it can hurt you, because you know, hey, uh, you go to react to something, and right away you remind yourself that it's not there. You know, and then uh, you get to the point where if you stop making it real, it gets to the point where it cannot affect you, which is something else that the Course says about forgiveness. It says it denies the ability of anything of God to affect So it's like you're doing this uh, transformation from uh, a world that seemed real to a world that is a dream, and because you're so much uh, more likely to forgive it because of that, your progress accelerates to the point where you actually, you know, get close to that feeling that uh, no matter what the world does to you, it doesn't matter, it can't hurt you. And uh, the Course doesn't just leave it there. That's why there are three steps in forgiveness. It's getting to that uh, experience that you are love, which is what you really are. Spirit is love. God is love. God is the truth. Uh, Nothing else is the truth. Nothing in this world is true. And uh, the only value that it has is in forgiving it. And if you have forgiven it, then all that you have to do is extend love into the dream. Uh, It doesn't really uh, matter that it's an illusion that you're extending that love into. It's not the illusion that matters. It's the love that matters because the love is real. The love is true. And it always will be. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's an illusion, that's rather insignificant. Uh, you know, you're the one who made the illusion up, and you, you made it real, and thus uh, condemned yourself because you didn't realize that it was a projection that was coming from you that you made up so that uh, the guilt that you thought that you had you know, could be seen out there instead of in you. But uh, once you realize that you made it all up, then the next thing you have to realize is that uh, what you made up isn't real because, you know, I'll, I'll hear people say, well, gee, look at this uh, terrible thing that I made up. You know, I, you know, I made up this projection with all this war and horror and, you know, people, uh, you know, cutting people's heads off and burning them alive and doing all these terrible things to yeah. them. And, uh, you know, I have to remind these people, look, you think that uh, that's what you made up. Well, what you really made up was nothing, <laughs> you know, because what you're seeing is not true. You know, it's not really happening. So you're 
you're feeling guilty because you made up these terrible images, when the truth is what you really made up was nothing because those images don't really exist. So you have to kind of like, uh, you know, cross the threshold where you understand that you're you're not uh, guilty of doing anything, including making up this uh, projection, because that's all it is. It's just a projection, which means right. it has no reality, which means that what you really did was nothing, and that nothing has happened, and that that's why you're innocent. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you could say that the only thing you're guilty of is inventing this fantasy, but in truth, you never really did that. The fantasy doesn't actually exist. You just think it does. And so there is no guilt in having done something that you never did. You know, so as what is the, you may know the exact quote that always says God's, God's final judgment is that, you know, this is my son. This is my creation who is perfect. You know, that's it. That's the only judgment there is. You're perfect. You never did anything wrong. You thought you did. Yes. You were wrong in yes. that, but that uh, thought never really took place. So even that was not actually wrong. It was just nothing. Yeah, and uh, I'm very grateful that the Course goes all the way with that, because I'll talk to people uh, sometimes, and, you know, this whole idea, oh, it's my projection, and I made it up, so, I, you know, I mean, they, they practically are talking like they're the one who killed 300,000 people yeah. in Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, like it really happened, and like uh, they really did it, and I, and I have to explain to them, look, nothing has happened. That's the point. That's why you're innocent. That's why they're innocent. That's why uh, the world is innocent, because it doesn't really exist, and we've never really left home. We are still at home with God, and there's this uh, dream which, in the uh, you know linear experience of time, appeared to last you know trillions of years, when the truth is, well, billions of years, when the truth is, uh, it lasted for, as the Course would describe it, an instant. And the whole thing was over in an instant. And not one beat in heaven's song was missed, you know, according to the Course. But because of the device of uh, separation, now it appears that time has this 13 billion year uh, continuum when the truth is it was just an instant and it was forgotten. Uh, an analogy I like to use is, you know, you're driving in your car late at night and you're tired and you doze off for just a second, you know, just a second and you wake yourself up real quick. Yeah. That's what... Uh, that's what it was like. It was like, uh, you know, an instant and it was over because you woke up immediately. But uh, in the linear experience of time, it doesn't seem that way, but that's a false experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's incredible. And it almost seems like nothing this big, this illusion of the universe, which is more than we can possibly understand the complexity of the universe, just seeing the, the amount of it that we can see. And none of that is real, never actually existed. It was... It was a thought, and it was gone in the same instant, and yet it seems so powerful to us, and our suffering seems so real, and our heartache seems so real. And to think that we can really get to a point where, where we'll know beyond question that none of that is real, that almost seems impossible, and the task would be insurmountable. But yet that's what the Course is leading us through. You know, you wonder why is it a thick book? Well, there it takes a while. This, As we've talked about, you can't... I read the, I read the Course when I first encountered it. I read it in the, over a weekend, 
now I've got it. I said, well, not really. It, <laughs> it takes some time. You have to apply this over time because you're peeling back so many layers of this illusory onion uh, to get to the real core of it. And the course is, is a very intelligent curriculum in terms of how it does lead you through it. And doing the workbook gives you the skills to make sense of, uh, of the rest of it, much of the text. When you, we talked about this previously, when you go back and read some of these parts that you and I have probably read many, many times, and both of us often will go back and read it, and it's like it's brand new. It's like, oh, look what this means. It's like whole new levels and nuance that comes through. So it's a, it, we're constantly are, we're, I mean, we're not really evolving, but our, our, our awareness is is evolving in that sense our awareness is growing and then we're better able to absorb the information even though we may have seen the words before now it means more and it means something beyond what we thought it did so it's a it's an amazing thing listen i want to get to another question because we were just talking about some you know horrible stuff and there is a question that addresses some rather difficult challenges in life so i'd like to move on to that okay. Is that okay? Sure. Because you're on a roll here, Gary. I know we got a lot of great information coming out. This one, uh, we I mentioned this person's name at the very end of, of last podcast, of episode 54. Uh, Andrew had sent in a note, and we didn't have time to get to it last time, but I did address the fact that at the end, uh, Andrew said, yes, Gene, I'm one of those crazy people that's always listened to the very end of the podcast to see what, what silly thing I put in at the end. So uh, I wanted to thank Andrew for that. But he had written a very serious question question and this just came in a couple of weeks ago it's another current one which is which is good and so here's here's the question and it kind of deals with what we were just saying there about some things that do seem awfully awfully serious while we seem to be here says uh, hi to both of us huge fan of you both i truly appreciate what you both do uh, Andrew says, I have found myself extremely depressed and suicidal since starting the course about three years ago he says, I will not kill myself, but the thoughts are stronger than any other time in my life. I feel hopeless, sad, alone, and scared, especially in the morning. He says, about a year ago, I broke out with psoriasis. Very debilitating. He said, I've been thinking lately that I remember reading somewhere that as you make progress toward enlightenment or undoing the ego, you may in fact get sick, that the ego may actually lash out at you and cause actual physical ailments. Wonders if we could address this. I also recall reading that sadness and depression may be a way for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to a better way. That, in fact, it could be a tool used by the Holy Spirit to urge you on. After all, if you were really thought you were happy, why would you search for a better way? So, guys, those are the big questions. First-time questioner, love the podcasts. So that's from Andrew. So what do you think? Are that, that's some uh, some serious stuff. Yeah, uh, do you have any difficult questions? No, no, I'm sorry. We're just going with lightweight <laughs> ones for you today, Gary, just the, the easy breezy ones. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, the first thing uh, that I noticed there is, you know, those feelings. Uh, that's the ego. And, you know, people don't realize, you know, because our spiritual students are so used to monitoring uh, their thoughts. You know, we're taught to monitor their thoughts. It's all mind. But uh, those feelings are important to monitor also, because those feelings uh, come about as a result of what you think. It's always the thoughts that come first, and then the experience follows. So uh, those feelings may be ancient. They may go back uh, to you know previous lifetimes, which are dreams, of course, also. But uh, there's something archaic. There's something uh, deep down that is an ego feeling that is coming to the surface. 
and uh, what, what you have to do is you have to be vigilant uh, to watch for that and recognize it immediately instead of just, uh, you know, having the feeling. Uh, just like with a negative thought, if you notice yourself having a negative thought with the ego, you would cut it off and you would switch to the Holy Spirit. Well, you have to do the same thing with those feelings, uh, those negative feelings, those, those feelings of depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever form they may take. You have to notice them and immediately cut them off and switch to the Holy Spirit, just like you would with your thinking. It's no different. Uh, the only difference is that the feelings came about as a result of thoughts, but not necessarily recent thoughts. They, they could, as I said, go back forever. So... As soon as you're having a, a negative feeling like that or a feeling of suicide, you've got to notice it and recognize it for what it is. And what it is is the ego. Uh, just like with a negative thought, that's the ego. And you want to catch yourself thinking and siding with the ego and you know just cut it off because you don't have to keep having uh, that feeling. You, you don't have to you know have it all day. You can have the power through practice to cut it off and turn it over to the Holy Spirit and think with the Holy Spirit instead. And you can ask yourself, well, what would the Holy Spirit say about this? What would the Holy Spirit think about this? And uh, you may be surprised. You may find that uh, with practice you can get to the point where you can notice yourself having those feelings and actually stop having those feelings and switch to the Holy Spirit, think with the Holy Spirit, and have different feelings instead. Yeah, you know, it's. I think that most of us see or or envision the idea of changing our thoughts as a more tangible thing. Okay, I'm thinking this. Okay, I can make myself stop thinking that and think something else. But changing our feelings, actually changing our emotions, because it kind of seems like our emotions are not under our direct control the way that our thoughts are. But what you're saying is there's no difference in that. Would you say that emotions... And thoughts are essentially the same thing, and that's why they can be addressed the same way. Is, is that what we're looking at here? Yes, I think so. I think the only difference is in time, that uh, the feelings come about as a result ah. of thoughts. But once again, the thoughts may have been a long time ago. But they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. And it is possible, I think, to actually stop yourself from feeling a certain way with uh, conscious effort and to train the mind to catch yourself when you're feeling that way mm -hmm. and to ask the Holy Spirit for help and to you know actually start thinking and feeling with the Holy Spirit instead. What do you think about uh, the aspect Andrew mentioned about feeling the, the sadness and the alone and the hopelessness, especially in the morning? And I would say, I'm, I wanted to ask you, think we just talked about dreams. Could it be because now most of us we don't really remember certainly all of our dreams. We might remember the last one we had before awakening, but most of the dreams apparently that we have during our sleep cycle, or they just come and go in sleep and we, and we don't remember them. But I mean, there are many times I wake up feeling kind of bleak in the morning until I think it through. Now I'm, I'm a little different than I was years ago. Whereas you say, I, I can approach it differently now. It's, Oh, I'm not even here. Well, you know, I don't see myself as this brain anymore. And while I'm asleep, the brain just does what it wants to do. And it always gives me crappy. I never have happy dreams. <laughs> not when I'm asleep. I'd much rather be awake when I'm sleeping. I have the only dreams I remember. They're always, they're not horrible nightmares mostly, but they're, they're frustrating and they're just, difficult yucky you know and that and that just stuff that i'm trying to do and nothing is working and then i wake up and then that's kind of my life so no wonder my brain runs on on autopilot when i'm asleep 
But when I'm awake, I go, okay, it's, you know, it's not real. This is the universe pretending to be a pain in the ass for me. And in reality, it's not even here. But is that the, the morning vulnerability where you wake up and you don't maybe remember the dreams, but you have the, the, the outwash of the emotions from them? Could that be why mornings are particularly difficult for Andrew? Uh, yes, that could be. Uh, you know, when it comes to your sleep at night, there's bad news and there's good news. Now, the <laughs> bad news is that when you go to sleep, the ego doesn't stop. Right. <laughs> and uh, the good news is that when you go to sleep, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop either. Oh, that's right. Sometimes yeah. you, you may even be uh, conscious sometimes, remember a way that the Holy Spirit actually works with you in your dreams. Uh, I've had uh, many experiences like that. But those feelings that you're describing, anywhere from mild uh, to the, you know, obviously uh, really terrible feelings sometimes that Andrew is having, uh, you know, those feelings are right up the ego's alley. So yeah. the ego, uh, as the Course teaches, is ingenious. It's very clever. Uh, it will come up with many ways to throw you a curveball, uh, so much so that you may not even be aware of the fact that it's doing it. And that's why I say when you notice those feelings, you've got to recognize it as the ego. Because, uh, you know, the ego is trying to make you feel miserable, because what can be miserable except an individual uh, who is alone and separate? Right. That whole thing that Andrew is describing is the uh, ultimate experience of separation. Yeah. And the Course says that it's that sense of separation from God that is the only lack that you really need correct. If if you could undo that sense of separation, you wouldn't have those feelings of uh, de being deprived of being a body. The Course says, hey, as long as you believe that you're a body, you will believe that you are deprived, because a body, uh, by nature, is scarce and constantly needs things that it can't always get. And uh, on the other hand, the Course says that Christ needs nothing, and wants to join with others out of a mutual awareness of abundance. So it really is coming from two totally different places. And but uh, it still comes back to the same thing. Now, when you have those feelings, and you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you say you've never had uh, good dreams. Well, you know, that makes me feel kind of sad for you. But I'm you know, sorry, I, Gary. I, I didn't. I didn't mean to bum you out too bad. I, I thought I might have told you that. <laughs> no, just. A, I mean, even I have an occasional good dream. Uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you, but I, and that's nothing new. That was, uh, you know, my whole life has been like that. When people say, "Oh, sweet dreams," like, what, what, what is that? You know, <laughs> oh, a dream where something nice is. How I, I just don't have them. I'm not saying I always have horrible dreams. Generally, I don't even remember any dreams. So maybe there are yeah. nice ones that don't ever happen at the end of the sleep cycle, and so I just don't even know. Maybe I'm in ecstasy, you know, in, in wonderful dreams, Then and then in the ego's way, it robs me of any memory of that. <laughs> so <laughs> even that I don't get to have. So, I, you know, I never had a dream where, I, you know, I woke up and there was my Ferrari and, you know, <laughs> no, never, you know. Now, in, in this waking dream, I discovered my angel, my Helen, and, and, you know, and we have wonderful little kitty cats and I have a Rickenbacker and, you know, so there's a lot of really good stuff. So it's like a happy dream when I'm awake. I just wish I didn't have to go to sleep, but no, it's not horrible. I don't, I don't have tortured dreams all night long. I have some, but not too many. And they're usually, as I say, they're just kind of sticky, crappy, you know, yucky, frustrating stuff. It's not, I'm not being torn in half. I was sawn in half in real life, but that's a whole different thing. So anyway. The one good thing, and I'm maybe I'm I'm walking evidence of this, is that 
you know, doing the course and really coming coming into contact with this as an experience, it does change you. Because as you know, you know, I'm not going to talk about it here, but you know, I was sawn in half, and uh, you know, I had a, a what would be a horrible near death and medical uh, operational experience a couple of years ago, and and I'm laughing about it now. I was laughing a lot of the time then, not every moment, but much of the time. So. It you know you just don't take life that seriously when you get to this stage. But you but the stuff I enjoy I enjoy thoroughly like this. I'm having I have a great time talking with you, putting these shows together, doing you know everything that I do, and so much of it is involved with A Course in Miracles these days, and I love it. I I love it. I couldn't be happier about that. So you know you you can you can turn you know a bleak uh, earlier life into a, a much happier uh, time at any time you choose to make that change and and you know we do have a tool set here to use with this but i didn't mean to bum you out oh. gary i hope it's okay uh, don't worry about it oh it's okay i'm okay it's okay i don't really care anyway it'd be nice uh, though it'd be nice to have a nice happy dream of what a wonderful i don't want to use that term because the course uses it but i mean uh, you know have very pleasant sweet dreams fun dreams that i'd love that i i wish i knew what it was like it must be great well, uh, at least when it comes to the course, we know what everything is for. Yes. And, uh, you know, what I wanted to uh, mention, you know, one more thing to Andrew, is that uh, when you notice yourself having those feelings, catch yourself and say, okay, well, look, that's, that's ego. It's just my ego again. You know, it's no big deal. And I can stop feeling that way and switch with, to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help me to realize that it's not necessary. You know, just like a, a physical illness, the Course would say, you know, I have no use for this because uh, I'm not guilty. You know, I'm, I'm innocent, and there's no real reason for me uh, to be choosing to feel with the uh, ego when I could be feeling things with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that that's going to be a, a you know, overnight fix-all. Right, I'm saying that right. it's, a pro- it's a process that you go through, but eventually, if you stick with it, uh, it can work. And uh, by the way, before I forget, I just wanted to mention, because we were talking about movies earlier, and then we ended up uh, talking a little bit about uh, time. And, uh, you know, I was saying, you know, there's this one instant of seeming separation, and even that didn't happen. But it, it was just a tiny tick of time, as the Course would describe it. And that is because of this uh, linear experience that it seems so real and heavy. And uh, it reminded me of uh, this movie we saw about a month ago uh, called Lucy. Ah, and, yeah, uh, I've heard that's really good. Uh, you know, it's uh, Scarlett Johansson. And, uh, you know, people started telling me on the road, you know, like you know, eight or nine months ago, oh, you got to see this movie. And then, you know, we finally saw it about a month ago. We, uh, we got, actually got it from Netflix. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, uh, you know, in the movie... Uh, well, I won't go through the whole plot, but there's a point in the movie where she goes through all of these ideas with this very uh, these are very advanced uh, scientists and mathematicians, and she uh, uses a very convincing case for the fact that without time we don't exist. Yeah, and I just thought it was very interesting. So I'd, I'd recommend that movie. Uh, the only caveat would be that it is a very violent movie. So if there's anybody who is bothered by violence uh, in movies. But then they probably shouldn't see it. Uh, I personally don't care because it's only a dream. Uh, I don't make it. Well, yeah, I don't make it real, so I, it's hard to, for me to react to violence in a movie. Yeah, uh, violence in real life, I'm sure it might seem a little bit more uh, convincing, but uh, at the same time, there's no difference. So neither one is true. 
You know, and, uh, our friend uh, Eel Lake, our friend Eel Lake, who who you know as well, yeah. a shout out to Eel Lake, hey buddy, uh, he had uh, recommended that too. I think he had emailed all of us on that. And uh, what what he said, what he was so impressed with, it sort of answered the question that I had. The only because the promos look great, she looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like a really interesting idea just just in its concept. And the few criticisms that I had read. I realized were answered by his statement that, and as you just talked about, that it really is very much in line with the principles that the course talks about in terms of the unreality of the world and and our our actual nature of our existence. And most of the criticisms were from people who didn't understand that stuff at all. They were like, "Oh well, it gets kind of vague with this," and it was, "Oh, it left this stuff unanswered." And it was like, and he said, "No, it answers it exactly." But you do have to understand the, the subject matter that the the reviewers obviously did not. So maybe for course people, this is a great movie to see because it really you know uh, ties in with the the overall structural concepts that we're already familiar with. Yeah, I thought that uh, it would be a good movie for course people because I haven't quite heard anybody else uh, give such a clear explanation as to why, uh, without time, we, in fact, do not exist. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, do you remember, I don't know if you remember, you know, years ago, probably when you were first getting into spirituality or even when you were a kid, uh, somebody would ask the question, now, if God himself is all-powerful, <laughs> then would it be possible for him to make a rock that was so big that he himself could not lift it? I think we've discussed this previously. And, yeah, well, and, and I think it was in a Superman comic book years ago, too, because <laughs> it was something about the immovable force meeting the, the... or the irresistible force meeting the immovable object could... could uh, I don't know. Could Superman, if there was another super being, could could one of them hold up a mountain that the other one couldn't punch their way through? Or no, <laughs> yeah. the thing with God takes well, it. Uh, yeah. So what's the answer, Gar? Yeah. Well, could, again, the, answer, the question: Could could God? What was it? Could God do what? Uh, you know, if God is all powerful, uh, could He make a rock that is so heavy that He Himself could not lift it? Right. Now, I believe I asked Sergeant first of that in disappearance. And uh, and they said uh, no, and I said why, and they said uh, because he's not stupid. <laughs> and uh, and but then I I asked that question in my own mind, and I realized well yeah God wouldn't do that, but that's exactly what the ego did. Yeah, yeah. You know the the ego in a way did make a rock that was so heavy that the ego itself could not lift it, which is why we appear to be stuck, you know, in this uh, you know universe that seems to go on forever. Yeah. You know, and it seems very impressive to us. You know, and it's going to take us, you know, how many light years just to get from one little part of it to another. And, uh, you know, it just seems impenetrable and, and there's no way out. And, you know, that's what the ego wanted because the ego didn't want us to find the way out because the ego wanted its, uh, what it made to be real and, and to go on forever. And it probably would if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, which is the answer. And uh, even though the ego may seem very impressive and the universe may seem very impressive, uh, no matter how ingenious it is, it it is still not going to win against the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is perfect. Yeah. And that's the difference. Uh, there's somewhere, and I believe it's in the workbook, where it talks about that, about the Holy Spirit being established by God as this unbreakable link, because without that, we would have stranded ourselves permanently. Because that was the ego's goal, was to, to set up a, a perceived separation from God that we would believe to be so complete 
that there would be no way to connect again. We would be separated effectively. So even though we really couldn't be, we would believe we were and we'd be trapped in our own dream forever. So God established this permanent, unbreakable link of the Holy Spirit that is always in contact with us that we cannot sever. So that was why we cannot be actually separated. We can't make our own dream come true. Our dream of separation, we can't make that actually be true. So if you want to thank God for something, thank God for that genuinely, because, you know, otherwise we would have, we were determined to destroy ourselves. And yet God did not allow that to be the case. Amen. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. That was deep. So, uh, Thank you. I, I hope that made up for me bumming you out about the dream thing. No, it's okay. I just thought, uh, you know, because you're such a, you know, you're a happier person I, than most people who I know. And uh, I am you know, a happy guy. Like, yeah, and so I was surprised when you said that you didn't have any uh, happy dreams. But I, if I was going to have a choice... Uh, I would rather have my happy dreams when I'm awake. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I'll I'll take that deal any time. You're awake anyway. Because imagine yeah. imagine somebody you know having you know these wonderful happy dreams while they sleep, and then they wake up and they're really miserable, you know. And would you want that? And and have this massive disappointment every day, or would you rather have? I mean, I have a little bit of disappointment when I sleep that I'm having another frustrating dream, but then I wake up and go, "Ooh, oh, that was really just a dream." Which also reminds me that all of this is a dream. So I apply that to anything negative, and anything positive, yeah. I just see as a reflection of my own inner happiness. There was a great old Far Side cartoon where there's two guys on cots and there's like flames all around them. And one guy has obviously just woken up and his, his head's shaking and his eyes are all glassy looking and everything. And the other guy is saying, Harry, Harry, it's okay. You were just having a nightmare. Uh, of course, we are still in hell. So anyway, <laughs> listen, I know you're going to have to roll here. And uh, we, we, this is a good show. I'll tell you, Gary, nobody can complain that we didn't do content today we've done wonderful stuff but i know you did want to mention one thing about an upcoming event that that you're pretty excited about and i can understand why and then maybe you'll have a little closing a closing parable from father gary so you want to tell us first about what what's uh, come what exciting event well sure i mean we have a lot of uh, great appearances that we're doing this year but there's one that i'm the most excited about i'm sorry and i'm making it you know a little bit special but only in the sense that it's a happy dream in my mind and uh, that is that we're going to be doing a retreat on Maui uh, in July. And it's our first time ever doing uh, a retreat on Maui. Ah. Uh, the Hawaiians say uh, Maui no ka'oi, which means Maui is the best, which, yeah. of course, makes it special. Though in terms of the Hawaiian Islands, I have to put it right up there uh, near the top. I've been to all of them, and I've been fortunate enough to go to Hawaii maybe 15 times. Yeah, you're there a lot. Uh, of course, the miracles came up, and uh, you know it, it's just an unbelievable place. And we're going to be able to have this uh, combination because Cindy and I are doing this with uh, two other teachers, Michael Tamara and uh, his wife Raphael. Right. And uh, we've been lovely, lovely people. Uh, they are. We we speak with them frequently. Yeah, and uh, you know it's going to be a great retreat, uh, just as a retreat. But then on top of that. Uh, Maui is just wonderful, and uh, you know you just can't beat it. So yeah. uh, we're, we're going to have the the best of two dreams. We're going to get deep into the course. Uh, it's going to be uh, July the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth. Uh, if you want information about it, you can go to my website to the appearances page, and there's a link you can go to. But I'm going to be sending out 
uh, some emails about it as the year goes on. But this is the best. I mean, this is about as good as it gets. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, of course, I love Hawaii anyway. Anybody who's read my books uh, knows that. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a dream. You know, it's not uh, something that I make real, but I sure have a happy dream most of the time when I'm there. I, I think it's mostly the Hawaiian people from, from Maui who say Maui is the best. I'm pretty sure people on Molokai say Molokai is the best, Kauai is the best. You know, they, you know how competitive those Hawaiians are. <laughs> yeah, I I think that uh, each island has its own personality. It, it really does, yeah. And uh, but Maui really is something. Uh, except it's not something, but it is something within the realm of something. <laughs> I got you. Know, so <laughs> so it's like uh, it is as good as it gets. So I'm excited about it. We're gonna have a, an optional, uh, you know, dolphin watch uh, the day after. And we're all going to go out to lunch, and but we're all going to be hanging around, you know, hanging out together, and in the uh, Wailea area of uh, Maui, which is you know beautiful, one of the best areas. It's a Marriott right on the ocean, and uh, it, it, so I just wanted to give people a heads up about that, and I'll, I'll be sending out sending out more info about it, and they can go to the website. But but this is uh, you know something that I'm, I'm going to be really psyched about, and uh, so I'm going to let people know about it. Well, I'm very, I'm very excited for you, Gary. And maybe, maybe thinking about you having all that fun in Hawaii will ha- have me somehow occur better dreams while I sleep. Maybe, <laughs> could be. <laughs> Just a thought. Give me a goal to move towards. I won't be going to Hawaii, but I can have better dreams about Hawaii. So, in my, there'll be. Well, I'll give you my, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a mantra <laughs> uh, to have for this workshop. I'm, I'm going to call it, even though it's being called something else. I'm going to call it. Uh, here today, gone to Maui. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! And who knows? Maybe, maybe I will be here today, gone to Maui. Oh, oh! You know, it, it, now, oh, and I didn't have it quite ready here too, and I should have. It would have been so great if you could have just one more time. You were able to just say, "What's the title of that, Gary?" It's called the uh, Here Today, Gone to Maui Retreat. There we go. <laughs> if anything called for a rim shot, that was it. <laughs> well, that's, thank, you, that's, thank you very much. Yes, and uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe now, you know, my luck. I'll I'll start having dreams about being thrown into a volcano as a sacrifice to Pele. You know, so but at least I'll be in Hawaii. So. <laughs> Me and Captain Cook. Anyway, we're getting historical here, okay? Or not hysterical, one way or the other. Uh, Well, listen, buddy, I know you got to roll. I do want you just to, if you would, give us a a wrap-up. We've talked about a lot of things today. We've talked, obviously, about forgiveness and applying it in challenging situations and uh, and dreams. We've talked a lot about dreams from all types of perspectives. So, here in, in honor of the close of our Lesson 55, as always, we like to turn it over for a, a brief few inspired words from our spiritual leader here in this podcast, the Reverend Father Gary Renard. Uh, thank you, Gene. I, I think that uh, if you think about the subject of dreams in the Course, you've got to remember that the Course is very big teaching, and uh, it you know doesn't uh, you know kind of like make dreams real it it has this macro view of dreaming where none of it's real and i think that uh, a lot of students have to remind themselves that you have to see the forest you know a lot of them don't see the forest through the trees because they spend a lot of time nitpicking the trees and uh you know kind of like saying oh this sentence says that and that sentence says this 
and you have to kind of like go with the propensity of evidence in terms of what the Course says and look at the big picture, look at the big message of the Course, which is all about uh, the forgiveness of everything and the fact that this is all a dream. And uh, what we want to do in our experience of the Course is we want to get to that experience that uh, I'm dreaming, you know, uh, where the body actually starts to feel lighter, where, uh, you know, instead of struggling through life, you're kind of like flowing or, or even uh, floating through life and the body isn't heavy anymore, and it makes it more difficult to hurt it. And, uh, you know, the world itself uh, has a more difficult time hurting you because you're not making it real, because you know that it's just real. Uh, it's it's kind of like that quote that I used earlier. You know, you would not react at all to figures in a dream. You knew that you were dreaming. You know, so that awareness of dreaming that the Course is pointing us toward, uh, we can kind of like, speed that along, not only with our forgiveness, but just by kind of like noticing every now and then, hey, you know, I'm dreaming. And uh, we've mentioned lucid dreaming before in bed at night. Well, it's the same idea, but it's on a macro view. Now it's the world that is a dream. And uh, you can be aware of the fact that you're dreaming. And uh, you can, you know, kind of like get more used to that. So it becomes more the norm instead of an unusual idea. So I really think that we're all going in that direction. And uh, it's part of the overall experience of the course itself. Beautiful. What a beautiful wrap-up, Gare. Well, well, thank you. You're being very complimentary tonight. (laughs) And by the way, don't forget, uh, when you uh, do go to bed at night and, and you're nodding off to sleep, do it with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, get that white light of the Holy Spirit. Not that it's a real light, but because light means truth in the Course. But, you know, uh, symbolically get that white light of the Holy Spirit going. And, and uh, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit will work with you uh, to the point where you're even more... Because the Holy Spirit is always working with you, but you'll be more uh, aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is working with you. And, and maybe uh, you'll wake up some morning with a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there, there's my answer. Yeah, get the Holy Spirit as my projectionist. Sure. Or at least to help. Maybe the, get the Holy Spirit. Look, I'm the projectionist. But maybe the Holy Spirit can switch reels of film. And so then when I switch over to the next reel, it, suddenly it's it's the Ferrari instead of the broken car. Uh, hey, you know, why not? There are different uh, dimensions of time, different experiences. You never know. You never know, but it's worth a try. Yeah, I mean, that's not what the Course is for, but uh, it certainly can be uh, what the Course would call the echoes, you know, the uh, the overtones yeah. uh, in the Song of Prayer. You know, it's love that's the real song, but along with that come the overtones and the echoes yeah. you know, that can actually show up in the dream. And we know that they're not real, but they're symbolic of happy things and, and things of love. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, as you just said, the uh, echoes, overtones, reflections is another term the Course uses very often. I don't know if the Course ever refers to harmonics, but it's, uh, again, that same thing. It's it's all of these other subtleties that go with it, and they're, they're the ones that actually contain, in many cases, much closer information to the truth than what the actual tonic is supposed to be in the middle there, to use another musical term. Well, we've okay, t- we've so, totally uh, we've totally screwed up the ending that I had planned, where you would just gently talk us out, and I'd swell the music in, and now we got back into content again. 
No, it's okay. Uh, okay. You know, it all fits together, so you can just bring the music in now, and I'll float off to dinner with Cindy. Okay, I may even use this for our little thing at the end for Andrew, because he wants to hang out. You know, he's one of the crazy ones. You know who you are, all of you, who hang out to the very end to see what <laughs> this might be that part, Gary. You may be speaking only to the select group of crazies who really wait to the very bitter end of the podcast. Great. I'm happy. Oh, good. Well, so am I. There you go. And tonight I'll have happy dreams. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Just for the record, say goodnight, Gary. Uh, goodnight, Gary. And don't forget that you can float on over to Gary's website, the one that he admits to having named himself Mr. Creativity, we call him. It's GaryRenard.com, and you can find out all about Gary's schedule and speaking events and where and when he's going to be. Track him down. Kind of be your own NSA. It's okay. He won't mind. He's paranoid enough. I'm only kidding. But I'm not kidding about the website, GaryRenard.com. And while you're checking out websites, don't forget our website, Forgiveness.tv. We've got an interesting project uh, Gary and I are going to be releasing fairly soon. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. It is podcast-related for sure to get the very latest about that. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, the one that's at the Forgive. Now, Gary has his own newsletter. Don't be confused about the differences. He has his personal newsletter that many of you are already on the list for. But uh, the Forgiveness.tv website has the Forgiveness List newsletter that I put out every now and then. It's been a while, but I will have one coming soon, I promise you, and I'll tell you about this new idea. So while you're there at the homepage of Forgiveness.tv, you'll see the link, and uh, all you have to do is give the uh, your email address, and then you'll be on the list to receive updates about all things podcast and Forgiveness.tv. And while you're there, you'll also notice a link to our GoFundMe page. That's for the medical donations fund that Helen and I have going on. It's been there for a while now, doing very, very well. God bless everyone. It has been life-saving for us. Uh, most of you already know about the uh, medical crisis I underwent a couple of years ago, and now I have this, this thing with my vision going on with cataracts, and it's a mess. Physically, I'm a mess, except I still sound good. So, as Gary says, I sound a lot better than I really am. But I'm getting better, and much of it is with thanks to all of you. So, for those who feel so guided, uh, donations are, are gratefully and humbly accepted there. So, please check out the GoFundMe page. I'll have an update coming up soon about my eyesight situation, which I think will be quite positive. And anybody who's been to the GoFundMe page, uh, you'll you'll be the recipients of notices that I put out there keep you updated on what's going on with that so god bless you all and uh we never forget never forget the folks who have done so much to help us so that's our gofundme page link right there at the homepage at forgiveness.tv and the gary renard podcast is a production of enlighten up creations and distributed through forgiveness.tv all rights reserved and uh, all verbal content is copyright 2015, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. That's where we say all rights reserved and I always say all grievances forgiven. This is Gene Bogart saying thank you so much for being part of our podcast family and being with us for all of these podcasts. It's 55 so far, number 56 will be coming up not too far in the distant future. And we will, of course, have more questions for Gary at that time as well. And until that time, let me remind you of something that I say all the time, and I think it's a teaching from beyond time. 
And that is that whatever the question and whatever the circumstance, forgiveness is always the answer. Say hello to Gary quickly, hon. He has to go. Hi, Gary. And and uh, I think we, we probably have also touched on this before as well. Boy, I totally forgot what I was going to say there. Wait, wait a minute. It'll come back to me. I'll, I'll I'll probably edit this part out. Or not. I don't know. Um, the uh, total blank. I rarely do that. I rarely completely blank out. I always have something in mind to say. You were saying about the... Uh, the, the uh, oh, yes. Got it now. Good night, Gary.